Glad you're here. You you are here for tonight's service, and uh, uh, remember though that tomorrow night is the best service of the the entire weekend. So you don't want to miss that. And uh, some of you are not laughing because you're on to me again. But um, man, it is it is absolutely amazing that you have uh, your a founding uh, pastor that can be with us. A lot of churches don't have that. Uh, now, the reason, honestly, is because a lot of churches are older than 23 years. But what a thrill to be a part of something so young. That means that this, this church was started when your pastor was two. <laughs> or eight. I don't know how old he was. But uh, what, and what an exciting thing to have a young pastor. Hello. I'm not that old either. But uh, I'm so thankful that there's churches... That, that, that uh, when I was 21 years old, I was right out of Pensacola Christian College, and the Lord opened the door for us to move to Maryland, the state of Maryland, which I don't, I don't recommend that. But it was a good church. Um, I have to give it two enthusiastic thumbs down, uh, Maryland in general. But we had a good church and, and a good ministry, a good pastor, a good associate pastor, and I was a youth pastor. I was 21 years old, and that church took a chance on me. And I'm so glad they did. And God led us to Columbus, Georgia for eight years. And I made some mistakes. I said some stupid, I said some stupid stuff yesterday. And then I was eight years in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and that was, that was beautiful. And then we, we were uh, eight, eight uh, miles to the beach and eight minutes to downtown uh, Charleston. And then about four years ago, four years ago today, actually, I had my first Sunday at Calvary Baptist Church in Chattanooga. And... Uh, it's just been, I'm, I'm so grateful. I think I want you to recognize you are a part of something that God is, is really just getting off the ground. 23 years. And uh, to have the founding pastor, the man that God implanted that vision and that burden, and that this man that was obedient, and this man that, that uh, uh, we, we, we do look to you uh, as, as, a, as a hero because you followed God's call on your life. And so it's, it's, it's great that you showed up today. And, um, and Dr. Shetler is a lot better looking than him. And so you won't, you won't get it confused anymore. I, and I want to say, why don't you turn to John chapter 21 tonight, okay? John chapter 21, and I'll get going here. But I just want to say that if I lived in Clarksville, I would definitely go to a church like this. You can tell. You can tell when you walk into a church. You can tell in the foyer. You can tell when you see the kids running around. You can tell just the way people love each other, the way they smile. You can tell a lot about a culture, about a spirit, about a philosophy of a church. And this is a great place. Uh, I know sometimes we just go through times of discouragement and times of self-doubt. We think, well, maybe I'll leave this church. Maybe I'll try another church. Or maybe I, I'm just not sure God... I, you, you, need, you need to be here. This, this is a place that needs you, and you need this place. I know you have a pastor that loves you. I know you have uh, a whole staff here that loves you. And uh, what an opportunity. What, what exciting days are ahead. I just have one, one concern. I've never seen a communion table quite as small as yours. Right down there. It's a candy box, isn't it? No. I'm just going to move on. I'm sure you have a communion table somewhere bigger than that. Um, but uh, uh, I did enjoy some time today with Josh and, and Zach and, and John. We went to lunch, and then after that, Josh and I, we, we visited Mr. Green today. Do you all know Mr. Green? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and we had to go down, down Fairway Road to get to Mr. Green. We went golfing. We went golfing. Is that okay? Is that okay if your pastor golfs on a Friday? Okay. Um, and we shot a 78, folks. Both of us shot a 78. We didn't play the last two holes. And we might have skipped number 11, too, I think. And then he cheated, uh, Josh cheated on, on 7 and 9. But he got a 78. So, uh, all right, you got your Bibles. I can tell you're ready to go today, and I'm ready to go tonight, too. Thank you. It's been an honor. These days go too quickly, and uh, I just, uh, I'd love to stay, but I got to get home. We have our missions conference starting on Sunday, and we have about four missionary families coming in and, and a keynote speaker, and it's a, a missions conference for us is, is as important as revival, and uh, it's exciting, exciting days. So, all right, John chapter 21. Let's look in the Word of God here, beginning in verse number 15, reading all the way through the end of this chapter, uh, verses 15 through 25. Y- y'all, y'all got it? Say got it. All right, follow along as I read. The Bible says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, Jesus goes on, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God, and when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, uh, seeing him, saith to Je- he looked at John, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die, yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but... If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there were also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, I'm so glad you're here on a Friday night. Uh, it's a good crowd. I'm glad to, to be with you this evening. I want to preach a message to you entitled, The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. Shall we pray once again for this uh, message? Father in heaven, thank you for uh, this church, and thank you for the people that are gathered here tonight, and thank you for this entire weekend of celebration and this weekend of, uh, of really just glorifying you and thanking you for uh, this church and the 23 years that this church has uh, been been on the map and uh, been making a difference and extending its influence here in the Clarksville area. Thank you so much 
for the leadership and for leading Brother Dalton to, to start this church and, uh, Lord, for him to be obedient and to be faithful and to plod through those days and to uh, visit people and see souls saved and get things organized and uh, get a location and to preach so faithfully. Thank you for his work and thank you, God, that that work continues today and that uh, all of us here tonight in church that are a part of this church are a part of that legacy, a part of the writing of history in the future. And Lord, I pray that uh, just as we celebrate the faithfulness of, uh, of you uh, to this church in the past, that we'll uh, look to you, Lord, for faithfulness in the, in the days ahead. We pray, Lord, that you'd be with Dr. Shetler as he comes uh, to, for tomorrow meet, tomorrow's night's meeting and for Sunday, that you'd bless him and touch him and use him uh, in this church. Uh, Lord, I pray for this familiar passage that's before us. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about loving you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and strength and loving you preeminently, and loving you with, with all of our hearts. This is the heart of the matter. And I pray, Father, that very simply tonight, you'd already be, begin working in hearts, and begin convicting, and begin uh, uh, people to realize that they have been doing a lot of things for you. They've been working, and, and, and they've been uh, walking with you. They've not been doing that out of, out of a heart of love. And that is what it's all about. And I pray that you'll help this time to be profitable, help it to be personal, help it to be practical, uh, help, help, Lord, the Holy Spirit to work in this place right now through the preaching of God's word. Uh, empty me of myself and fill me with the Spirit. And I pray that lives will be touched and changed tonight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad we have a John chapter 21. Towards the end of John, in John chapter 20, we have the remarkable account of the resurrection. And then we have this, uh, this dramatic testimony of Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas, but he gets it all straightened out in John chapter 20. And he makes this amazing declaration. He says, my Lord and my God. One is a confession. Uh, my, my God, you, you, are, you are deity. You are the Son of God. My Lord is a commitment. One is a confession and one is a commitment uh, that Jesus will be his Lord. But then the book doesn't end there. The book has a chapter 21 because, I'll tell you why, church, there's unfinished business with Peter, mostly. We can't close the book of John without finding out that Peter ends up being restored in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, just like the message goes out to Peter, and right before this, you can just look down there with your eyes real fast and, and kind of re-familiarize yourself with the story that, that, that uh, Jesus is on the shore, and the fishermen, uh, six or seven disciples are out there, and they're fishing, and they're, they're, they're catching nothing. And, uh, and Jesus shouts at them from the shore, and immediately, at first, they don't recognize Jesus, um, and then they do. And he, he says, it's almost like Jesus saying, have you forgotten that without me you can do nothing? Cast the net on the other side. And they're thinking, Lord, we tried that. They're, fit. They, they're, they're right-hand side of the boat fishermen. They're trying that thing. And they're trying all their, all their work over there. And, and Jesus simply says, why don't you listen to me and turn around and try it this way? You know, the distance between their obedience and the distance between the fruit on their lives was about the width of a boat. They simply had to say, okay, I'll turn around. I'll fish over here. And then it dawned on them that it's the Lord. And, and John, or one of the disciples, said, Peter, it's the Lord. And so, so, so Peter put on his outer garment, because apparently he was fishing naked. And he puts on his, on his clothes, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to shore. And the Lord is there, and, and, and he says, bring the fish. And he's making a fish fry. 
And he's cooking breakfast for him on the shores of Galilee. He told him he'd meet him there. He told the women to tell the disciples that he, tell, I'll meet those boys on the shores of Galilee. You know, in Middle Eastern culture, to share a meal with somebody, to share breakfast with somebody, was an intentional way to communicate that you had forgiven them and that you wanted your relationship to be restored. And so there's the background. And so right here, the message of grace goes out to Peter. The message of grace goes out to all these fishermen. The message of grace goes out to us because sometimes I feel like a very frustrated and failing fisherman. Can I get a witness tonight? I feel like a very fickle and frustrating and failing fisherman. And so the message of grace comes out from the heart of Jesus to all the failure followers like you and me and says, hey, come eat with me. Come eat with me. In fact, there are three invitations that stand out in the book of John. The first one in John chapter 1 is come and see. The second one in John chapter 7 is come and drink. And the last one here in John 21 is come and dine. I'll I'll say it again because I think you should kind of write this mentally and etch it into your mind. There's three invitations in the gospel of John. It's come and see, come and drink, Come and dine. And if, if, if you're paying attention, you can sort of hear in those things uh, increasing levels of intimacy with the Lord. C- come and take a look. Come and take a, take a little bit of a drink. Come and sit down and eat with me. And I'll tell you this, before we, this, is, this is just the introduction, but every one of us here tonight is at one of those three levels with the Lord. You're, you're, you're either here and you're in that seeing level. You're just kind of checking things out. That's okay. That's okay. Take a good look at the Lord. Take a, whatever, you, whatever criticisms, whatever doubts you have, it'll stand up. The Lord, will, the, the, it, he'll stand up to the test. Whatever kind of criticism you have of the word of God, you bring your doubts, you bring your questions, you bring your, your agnosticism, you bring, you bring your uncertainty. It'll, it'll stand the test of criticism. You bring your doubts, so come and see. Come and see. And then after that, taste and see the Lord is good. Take a drink. And then after that, come and dine. Come in and, su- come in and sup. Come in and enjoy a, a, a fellowship meal with the Savior. You're either here, you're here tonight, you're seeing or you're sampling or you're savoring in your walk with the Lord. That's, 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 that's helpful. And so he says to these people, he says to these ladies, go and tell those, those, tell those doubting disciples that cussed me and denied me, tell them I'll be there on the shores of Galilee. I'll be frying fish for them. Meet me there. We'll have a fish fry. Beautiful scene. This last chapter of John is a wonderful text because it shows us that it's possible to fail big time as a believer. And let's face it, we've all failed big time as a believer. It's possible to fail big time as a follower of Christ, and it's possible that after that failure to get back on track with the Lord and actually be used greatly by Him. But in order for this to happen, you must face some things honestly, and you must face yourself honestly and very carefully. We must do some heart searching with the Lord, and that is exactly what happens to Peter here. Let's look tonight at one of the most incredible conversations that Jesus Christ has with a man in the entire New Testament. I got four points. They're all alliterated. You can write them down if you'd like to. Number one, let's focus in on the interrogation. Number one is the interrogation. The first question in in verse 15 is where Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The first three questions, church, are almost identical. But this one, this first one, has a little bit of a, is a little different because there's a comparison in the question. Look, go, look down in your Bibles. You see the, the, in red letters in verse uh, 15, it says, Simon, son of John, lovest thou me more than these? And then the one in verse 16 just says, Simon, lovest thou me? And the one in verse 17 just says, Simon, lovest thou me? Do you see that? Say, uh-huh. But this one has a comparison in the question, Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Let's just consider the several views about what these, more than these things, what these things Jesus might be referring to. Number one, some people say that the, the more than these, when Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these, that Jesus is referring to the fish or to the fishing business, or the boating business, the, whatever industry they have, that they're doing right then. Uh, Peter, do, do you love me more than fishing? I don't think this really gets to the heart of the question because there's no indication that Peter wanted to go back into fishing. They're just, they need to eat. They need to make money. They're, they're trying to just do back, go back and do their hobby again. There's no indication they wanted to get back in the family business full time. Another view when Peter uh, is asked by Jesus, do you love me more than these, is that, P- that Jesus has the other disciples in focus. That he might be saying, uh, 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 Peter, do, do, do you love me more than you love these men? More than you love these disciples? Now, Peter probably loved those disciples. They, they walked with Jesus for three, three and a half years. They had, they had had some real raw moments together. They had learned a lot on, at the feet of Jesus. And the, these were his, his good friends, and praise God for good friends in ministry. These were his deepest relationships. But I don't think that strikes the right chord either. So the, uh, another idea, and I think the correct one, when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these, is he's asking if Peter loves him more than all the other disciples love Jesus. See, just a couple weeks prior to this, Peter had confidently, <laughs> arrogantly put his foot in his mouth. Peter was that impetuous, kind of boisterous guy that only opened his mouth to put his foot inside. Can you identify? <laughs> we're, we're a lot like Peter. Peter had boldly declared that he would follow Jesus. Even if all the others fall away, I will follow you even if it takes me all the way to death. Boy, he ate those words, didn't he? Even if he had to die for Jesus, he said, Lord, I will not deny you. Jesus called him on the carpet. The question here now, I'm still building up here, but the question is, would Peter still be able to say he loved Jesus more than all the other followers loved Jesus after his denial? So before we move on, I would suggest that what we need to do right now is ask ourselves, what would more than these mean for us? If Jesus had made a charcoal fire for you and you were gathered around a a campfire and you were about to have a meal with Jesus and Jesus Christ looked you square in your eyeballs and said, do you love me more than these? What would more than these be for you? What, what, What do you think Jesus would be referring to if he asked you that question? For you, what would they be? Would it be your career? Do you love me more than work? Do you love me more than money? Would it be your family? Would it be your kids, your spouse, your comfort, your security, your, uh, your health, your future? Well, it, it, you see, one of the great ways to discover whether or not you truly love Jesus is how you respond when he takes one of those things away from you. Do you love me more than these? 
Do you love me more than these? And so in verse 16, as I already alluded to, the question's asked again. In verse 17, the question's asked again. But this time without the qualifier, without the comparison to the other disciples. This time, it's just about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? That's the most important question. We like to make it about our profession of faith. We like it to make it about the day we got saved. Of course I love Jesus. I'm saved and baptized. And if you hadn't noticed, I'm here on a Friday night. Of course I'm saved and baptized. Of course I love Jesus. And I just got to tell you, just lovingly, that, that being saved does not automatically mean you love Jesus. That becoming a Christian doesn't automatically give you a heart for Jesus. Peter had already made a great profession of faith. All these people, hey, disciples come and say, some are saying this. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this. And Jesus says, who who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this great declaration. He says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Well, amen. He, he, that's good doctrine. That's good orthodox doctrine. He's a true believer, by the way, that word orthodox. You know what it means? It means straight doctrine. Ortho, like when an uh, orthopedic surgeon makes a back straight or when an orthodontist makes your teeth straight. Ortho meaning, uh, meaning straight plus dox for doctrine. So Peter says, Jesus says, who do you say then? P- Peter says, you are God. Jesus says, you got that straight. That's true. You got that straight. I know some people, though, who are doctrinally straight. There are some of you here tonight. Most of you, I'm sure, here tonight, you go to this church, you are doctrinally straight. But you could have a heart that's cold. You could have no love deep in your heart for Jesus. A lot of people are doctrinally straight and somehow still in love with themselves, still in love with their own plans and agenda and, and, and needs. And their, their head is on straight, but their heart is cold. I'm not asking you, look up this way. I'm not asking you if you have stood before a church at one point in the past as a new convert. I'm not asking you about your position as a believer. By the way, Peter was an apostle. I'm not asking you if you're the, uh, the, 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 a leader in this church or a deacon or a pastor or a piano player or a choir member. I'm not, I'm not asking you what you do here. Peter had the position. He had the profession. He had the position. He was an apostle. By the way, Peter also had the performance. He walked on water. He walked on water. He had, I'm not asking you tonight, of course I, love, I run the sound, I sing, I teach, I sweep, I clean, I'm in the nursery all the time, I serve uh, the Lord here. I'm not asking anything about your profession or about your position or about your performance. I'm not asking if you are a card-carrying Christian and uh, you can recite the church constitution and recite the creeds. I'm asking if we truly tonight love Jesus. The implication of this question, the implication of this, of this interrogation that Jesus gives Peter is that somehow, in some strange, carnal, fleshly way, it's very possible for us to, to, to be a very religious person, involved in all sorts of religious-type stuff, and get, have a heart that is far, far, far away from God. 
In fact, this is the natural drift of our lives. We just keep doing. We just keep serving. Life doesn't, it never stops. We just keep adding more. And we just, it just keeps diminishing our love for Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus Christ? You can sing. You can teach. You can pray. You can work. You can witness. And, and you, can, you can do all those things and never truly stop and consider that question. Any preacher here, Josh and, 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 and Zach and John and other preachers here, Brother Dalton, you know that, that it's very possible for us to stand behind a sacred desk on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night and preach the Word of God in our flesh. My flesh knows how to preach after 23 years. My flesh tells stupid jokes. My flesh knows how to tell a story. My flesh knows, knows all the things I'm supposed to say. But I can stand it. I can get up on Monday morning to go to church office. I can get ready for Tuesday and Wednesday. I can do all the things about churchianity and Christianity. I can do all the, I can say all the right words. I can, I can even pastor a church and yet not be overflowing in my love for Jesus Christ. I know because I've done it. Do you love Jesus? And it, is it proven in the way that you live? So this... Um, this, this third time, the question is asked, and it's different from the first two times. Are you still with me? I'm just trying to, I got, you got to explain stuff, and then you got to apply stuff. That's good preaching, okay? Um, and so, so the first time, he says, Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Next two times, do you love me, do you love me? The first two times, that word love is different from the third time that Jesus Christ uses the word love. We can't see this in English because English is a basic language, but Greek is a complex language. Um, so in the Greek, beneath the surface of our translation, we see that Jesus uses two separate Greek words. He uses one Greek word, the first two questions of love, and another Greek word, the last question of love. So the first two times he uses the word agape. Everyone say agape. That is, that, that, that is the, the deepest, most sacrificial and divine type of love. That, that, that is biblical love. That is 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. That's what that is, agape. And the other Greek word is phileo. Everyone say phileo. And that, you know, you, you know how uh, about the city Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly shove. I mean the city of brotherly love, right? Phileo means love. But it means a brotherly type of love or a fondness or a kind, kind of a friendship type of love. So the question is this, getting kind of, we're, we're, we're moving just from the basic, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, to Peter, do you love me as a sacrificial, committed follower, or do you love me just as a, as a, as a fond friend? You're just kind of, kind of fond of me, just as a convenient, do you love me as a sacrificial, dedicated follower, or do you love me as a convenient friend? We'll come back to that in a moment. But the Lord doesn't condemn Peter here. The Lord doesn't condemn Peter, but he, he doesn't make this about the details of his failure, the details of his denial, the details of his sin. He goes straight to the heart of the matter, asking him three times, do you love me? As humans, we like to make things about the fruit of the matter, but Jesus likes to go down to the root of the matter, and that's the root of the matter. That's, that's a long point. That was, uh, anybody here remember what the name of that point was? The interrogation. Good. Someone's writing it down, and you are the church member of the, day, of the night. Good job. All right. Number one, the interrogation. Number two, we're going to call this the inspection. The inspection. 
So there's three questions and there's three responses to Jesus' three questions. When it comes to answering that first question, he does not add the more than these to his answer. In other words, Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Jesus says, you you, you know I love thee. And here's the thing. Peter's worried about himself. He's focusing on himself. You and I need to worry about ourselves. The person you really need to be concerned about whether whether that person loves God is you. Not your spouse or your children or your or anybody else that you might be thinking of. You, you tonight, on a Friday night, here in the revival, fall revival for your church, you do some personal business with God, and you think about yourself. I guarantee you, when you and I stand before the Lord, when you stand before Jesus Christ, we aren't going to be comparing ourselves with others. It's going to be us. It's going to be our love on the line. So Peter is doing his own business with God here, but secondly, he, he changes the verb. Remember the verb thing I just explained to you? He changes the verb himself. So Jesus asked Peter two times, do you love me agape? Do you love me agape level? Do you love me that sacrificial level? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. But he uses the word phileo in his answer back. I see actually real growth and transparency in Peter here. You better be transparent with the Lord. He already knows everything about you. You ain't hiding nothing from him. He was not about to say, say with me, please. He, he, he's not about to say, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you to the fullest top level. You know what? You know, my love for you is all the way committed. He wasn't about to say that after he just denied him three times. Think about your life and my life. If Jesus were to ask you, do you love me? Say, of course I love you. Agape, agape. Did you open the word of God at all this week? Did you, did you talk to him at all today? Did you pray? Did you do anything but live? Did you live for him at all? We talked about that last night. Jesus commands my destiny. You just sang it a minute ago. We sang it three times, I think, tonight. Jesus commands my destiny. Is that true of your life? You know I love you. No, you know what kind of sins there are in your heart. So Peter's real mature here. He's real honest, and he says, there's been a lack of love. And he'll use that word, by the way. He'll use that word phileo all the way through every one of his answers. Every one of his answers, it's like he says, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you as a dear friend. You know I love you as a dear friend. He's admitting, Lord, I haven't loved you at the highest possible level. Perhaps an honest assessment of our own hearts tonight will reveal that's the condition of our hearts as well. That we love the Lord for what he can give to us, but we don't love the Lord at the highest possible level. Peter answers the second question and the third question the same way. But the third time he is asked by Jesus about his love. Let's notice this again. Um, he was grieved. Verse 17, look at it. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He became heavy in his heart. And this third time, this is the, this is the time, I already told you, where Jesus Christ drops the word agape and goes to phileo. Peter comes down and meets Peter Jesus comes down and meets Peter at his level. It's like, I'm reading into a lot to this story. I hope, you, I hope you, you'll just continue to think through this with me. It's like Jesus is saying, Peter, <laughs> I get that you've messed up. 
I, I get that the best that you can muster right now is just to tell me you love me like a friend. And it's like, I, I, I believe Jesus appreciates that. And, and, and it's like Jesus says, at least you're not bragging like old times, saying you could do whatever. At least you're being honest with yourself. That's all God asks of us, my friends. Listen, beloved, that's all God asks of us. Just be honest. Just lay your life out before the Lord. God, here's my life. Search me, O God. Look at my heart. Uh, I surrender everything to you. Take every corner, every crevice, every aspect, every avenue of my life and just examine it and lay it out before the Lord and say, God, here I am. And, the, and guess what? God still loves you. There ain't nothing you can do tonight that would make God love you less. There's nothing you can do tonight that will make God love you more. Nothing separates you from the love of God. You are secure in that. But we fail, we mess up, we're very fickle, and we, we, our, our love gets all out of whack sometimes. We, we leave our first love. And so, right here, Peter hits rock bottom. Can I, can I just, I want to meddle just a little bit. It, it's okay to hit rock bottom sometimes. It's okay to, 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 to be discouraged, to be down to be depressed. I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking about the way we usually use this. I'm depressed. It's okay. Everyone's all about feeling so good all the time now. Everybody's a winner. Everyone gets good. Everyone's on a roll. Everybody's a success. No, no, there's some losers out there. It's okay for you to be affected by a spiritual thing in your life. It's okay to be down there in the, in the dumps. It's okay to face yourself and think. It's okay to, to let the Lord be working on you. I'm not talking about being depressed that, that your team lost or that you're, you didn't get that promotion, that your, your family's going through a rough time. Those are all secondary. I'm talking about being upset, being discouraged, being despondent, being depressed, that your love life for Jesus Christ is not what it should be. That is the most important priority of our lives. We're all concerned with all these extra things in our lives. We're, 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 we're concerned about our financial condition in the eyes of the bank. We're concerned about our material possessions in the eyes of our neighbors. We're concerned about our physical condition in the area of our health. But, our, but, but I'm talking about our spiritual condition in the eyes of the Lord. What is it? That's why we're here tonight. That's what we want to examine. That's the bottom line. Sir, sir. Husband, leader in the home, if you are not leading your home, if you're being unfaithful in some way to your, to your wife or to your family, it's because something is off in your love life for Jesus. Kids, young people, if you're cheating in school or not doing your best or succumbing to peer pressure or not being a leader in your class, it's because something is off in your love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, church member, listen to me. If you are holding on to bitterness, if you are holding on to unforgiveness, if you, if you are bitter due to mistreatment by other people, it is ultimately, ultimately because you have taken your eyes off of Jesus Christ. What if your circumstances never improve? What if the thing never falls into place? What if you never get your heart's desire? You can still love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. You know what you need to do? Stop praying, perhaps, or stop looking for the fruit to change and start working on the root to change. 
Stop saying, oh, I need to love my husband more. I need to love my wife more. I need to love my kids more. I need to love my church more. I need to do this more. I understand all those things. Those things are all fruit things. I'm talking about root things. I'm saying, give me a greater love for my Savior, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Get back to the most important command in the entire Word of God, and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then other things fall into place. You seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your one priority, your one job every day is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Number one was the interrogation. Number two was the inspection. And number three is the instruction. And don't miss this. You see, after the confession comes the commission. That's the way it's supposed to be, by the way. Worship before work. We get it switched around all the time. we're usually better at obligation than we are at adoration. Notice it, please. All these times, Simon, Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Verse 16, do you love me? I love you. Feed my sheep. Verse 17, do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. You see, here, here again, back to what I said before. We often say, of course I love the Lord. Look at where I'm serving. Look at, look at where I am. Look at what I'm doing for the Lord. That's cart before the horse stuff. It's worship before work. It's adoration and then service or obligation. That love comes first, then comes service. So Jesus asks Peter three questions. Peter gives three answers. Then Jesus gives three commands. Three commissions. Feed my lambs. Verse 16, shepherd my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Hey, look up this way. Sit back, wake up, look up this way. You see what happens? You see what happens when when I rekindle my love for the Lord? I get to rekindle my love for others as well. Your church is just big enough where you've got some people in here probably that annoy the fire out of you. No, no, some are nodding, but you're liars. We, we go through times, we go through a situation where we just don't love people like we should. But notice what happens. After I rekindle my love for the Lord, I want to get busy for him. I want to go invest my life in the kingdom of God. I want to go serve others. I want to feed people. I wanna, I'm ready now to love others around me. According to John 10, the sheep, Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my flock. According to John chapter 10, same book we're in right now, the sheep are those who believe in Jesus Christ. The sheep are those who are following the shepherd. The sheep are those who are being formed into a new community of faith. We are, we are naturally selfish people, aren't we? If we live for ourselves, we cannot follow Jesus. Following Jesus and loving Jesus means our priorities are radically altered. And once our heart Once my heart is right on the internal, I'm ready to love other people in the external. Peter, you know the rest of the story. Why is John 21 so important? Because you can turn the page, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You can turn to Acts chapter 2. If we didn't have John chapter 21, we'd look at Acts chapter 2 and be like, whoa, Peter's back. Last time I thought he was denying the Lord. And I'm telling you, we often, as uh, uh, in the understanding the the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and the resurrection, we often say things like, well, the reason why Peter and all these other disciples came out of hiding 
is because of the resurrection. And that's what infused them with boldness. That's what infused them with courage to go preach and to, uh, through persecution and to advance the early church in Acts. I'll tell you, there's, I think that's true. But number, there's a second thing. I think Peter got his love right. Peter got his love life right. And he goes and he stands up in Acts chapter 2, men and brethren... <laughs> Listen, the Savior that you've crucified, the Messiah, he's the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he tells those people to repent. And, to, and, and the, those, those Jews there at Pentecost they, and the others there, they say, they, Sirs, what must we do? Peter says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can be saved. Peter is a new person, a new commission. So important that you're fed. You ought to thank God that you have a pastor. Sunday morning, Sunday night, other pastors, Wednesday night, preach and teach here, open up the word of God, explain to you. The only way you can, you can grow in your love for the Lord is to be a sheep that's fed. You get the word. This, this is the joy of expository preaching. This is the joy of going verse by verse through a book, through Psalms, as I understand you're going through in one of your services. I'm going through um, different books of the Bible in, in our church in Chattanooga. And it, 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 we plod through because the only way, the only way to grow, the only way to be developed in our love for the Lord is to, is to be fed is to be fed as lambs, fed as sheep for the, for, the, for the flock, to be shepherded by the word of God. I know you have a great pastor who has a great heart to open up the word of God to help you grow in your love for Jesus and to feed you every day on the milk and on the meat of God's word. But I'm telling you this, if you stop eating, you'll stop growing. If you stop eating and growing, you'll stop loving the Lord. If you truly love Jesus above all else, you will prioritize spending time with him in his word. I have one, one more point, and we're done. The inspiration. The interrogation, the inspection, the instruction, and now the inspiration. Because the passage goes on and ends the book of John. And the backdrop of all this is that um, Jesus is telling both Peter and John what's going to happen to them when they die. And um, Peter's going to be crucified, by the way. And John is going to be the oldest and last surviving of all the original disciples. He's going to die of natural causes after he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos and writes the book of Revelation. So with, with this information, and that's what Jesus begins to say here in verse 18 and verse 19 uh, that you can, we already read. With that information, the book of John ends with a very simple message from Jesus that puts the entire Christian life in an easy light. Jesus boils it down to two words, church. You ready for these? Two words. I'm a simple preacher. This is a simple truth. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. That's it. That's it. Man, don't we make things so complicated? We make things so complicated. Jesus looks at a person named Peter who has failed him repeatedly and says, follow me. Keep on following me. Get back to following me. That's our inspiration. That's our challenge tonight. Sometimes he will lead us through pain and sometimes he'll lead us through peace. Follow the Lord. Sometimes we will feel like it. Sometimes we won't. Follow the Lord. Sometimes it will be easy and sometimes it'll be hard. Follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. Follow Jesus. And there's a powerful lesson here in these verses, these closing verses, and I'm done. Here's what it is. Look up this way. Don't worry about what someone else is doing. Worry about yourself. I, I love this. I, Jesus gets a little bit sassy, I think, with Peter. 
you all have SAS up here in Clarkville? Or you have Snippy? What are you? It's a little bit of SAS. Yeah, like my 13-year-old daughter. <clears throat> Got some SAS. So Peter, in the story, he said, he, he, I got all this. You love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Follow me. What about him? What about him? What about her? Jesus says, if my will for that person's life is what I want it to be, then what is that to you? What is that to you? And so if Jesus could be here tonight, he might, he might look at us with all of our petty, lame, silly excuses about why we can't love, why we can't live, why we can't labor, why we can't get our life together for the Lord. Because we're all focused on other people. And what about that person? And that person did that to me, and I don't like that. I got this spouse, and I got this family, and I have this work, and I have this boss. What is that to thee? Follow Christ. You think it's going to get easier? What if it never gets easier? What is that to you? Follow Christ. Has there ever been a day in the last 2,000 years when it's been easy to follow Jesus? <laughs> no. Is it going to get hard? Is it hard in 2023 to follow Jesus? Yes, it is. Is it going to get harder in 2024? You bet it is going to get harder. It sure is. What is that to you? Worry about yourself. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.13 says, 2.13 through 15. Get your life going forward. Take some forward progress steps for the Lord. Rekindle your love for Jesus Christ. And with that, the book ends. <laughs> it just ends. Except John says we could have said a lot more. <laughs> we could have said a lot more about Jesus, but guess what, church? We have everything we need to know in the book of John to believe on Jesus. We have all the information we need in the book of John to follow Jesus. We have everything we need, all the motivation we need to love Jesus. They could have written more and more, and all the, the books in the world couldn't have contained it. What an amazing thought. I wonder what's not included in the story that actually happened. Imagine this story is not about Peter, it's about you. And you're standing face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ over a charcoal fire. You're about to have a meal at your house and Jesus Christ is there. He looks you straight in the eyeballs. He says, do you love me? Do you really love me? Whether you know it or not, Every aspect of our lives is directly related to how we answer that question. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? I think about the church at Ephesus. In Revelation 2, along those chapters, says they left their first love. They left it. If you look in the book of Ephesians written to the church at Ephesus. You see how that works? They were on track doctrinally, but they got off track devotionally. They were straight as an arrow, but they missed the bullseye, the heart of the matter. They left their first love. 
Their walk with Christ had lost its glow. You know what this church needs for the next 23 years? It needs a church full of people who have the glow of love. Don't lose your glow, Gateway. Don't lose the glow. You got some building things to take care of. There's bills to pay. There's programs to run. There's events to be held. There's all sorts of things happening. But don't ever leave your first love. Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians in the book of Ephesus, Paul, he wrote 20 times about their love. And John wrote in Revelation, they had lost it. They had left it. Now it's gone. Some Christians... You're probably one of them at some point. I've been one before. Are so busy maintaining our separation that I'm neglecting adoration. Some of you here used to burn with passion for God. Now all you do is just burn with obligation for him. You just, you're here out of duty because you have to. Will you believe? Will you follow And will you love Jesus with all your heart? Let's get back tonight to the heart of the matter. I invite you to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. What a great passage of scripture. Study it out. It's so rich. I invite you tonight to imagine yourself right now as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, having that conversation with Jesus. Boy, that's a scary thought, isn't it? For Jesus to look at us who already knows our hearts and already knows our answer, and he says, do you love me? Do you truly love me at the highest possible level? There's so many times, church, listen, there's so many times in my life when that has not been true. I know it, I recognize it, I feel it in my soul. I'm not close to the Lord. I'm doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because it's expected of me. I'm doing this because of obligation. And the, the, the furthest thing from my mind is passion and love. I'm going to ask you tonight to think about your, your love for Jesus Christ, the magnitude of it, the seriousness of it, the intimacy that you enjoy or don't enjoy right now with Jesus Christ and get back tonight to your first love. How do you do that? Well, you got to tell him. When there's distance between my wife and I, I have to say, I love you. I truly love you. I have to get back to my love for my wife. You have to get back to your love for your Lord and your Savior and your Master Jesus Christ. So tonight, as the piano plays and whenever it's ready to begin, you come and tell the Lord you love him tonight. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight and ask that you move in this service as only you can. Please move and compel people by your spirit, Lord, that that you love them and that we might get back in a place where we are truly loving you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to confess how cold and callous we get sometimes and how our heart's not in this thing called the Christian life. I pray that we'll respond and that we'll get some people in this church that are back on fire for the Lord to do something. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You come and get that love right.